Aloha. Okay, I'm going to be reading from Perpetuated in Righteousness, The Journey of the Hawaiian People from Eden, Kalana i Haola, to the present time. And I'm reading from page 40 to 41. However, at a distance, one who lay hidden in Ohia tree would forever change the course of all peoples. His presence seemed out of place in Kalana i Haola. He moved with cunning and was wise. Ilioha, the mo'o, peloa, the great serpent. Ilioha was filled with a blinding desire to be worshipped and adored by Atea and Evi, as Io was. He entangled Evi in a web of lives, and Evi was tricked into eating from a forbidden ohia, hemolele. Atea also ate, even though Io had warned them that eating of this forbidden ohia hemolele would bring a terrible curse upon the earth, a curse that would bring great sorrow and hardship upon all mankind. Atea and Ivi were driven by Io out of Kalana i Haola. This was the beginning of many sorrows. Still, Io's aloha went beyond the hala sin of our first kapunas. Io commanded that the silent stars proclaim to all peoples yet unborn the coming of a deliverer who would free the honua earth from the curse. Generations later, there arose a descendant of Atea named Nu'u, whom Io entrusted to build Titoko, a large canoe that would hold two creatures of every kind because of the evil of man on the face of the earth. Water would flood the Honua and everything that breathed would die. Only Nu'u and his Ohana were saved from the great flood that rose above the mountains. Days upon days and night after endless night passed, finally the waters subsided. Nu'u and his ohana were by the beautiful colors that stretched across the sky. Io's rainbow, aole lave vai. No more flood. Io longed for peace to rule in the hearts of Nu'u's ohana and their mo'opuna descendants. But their aloha for him would have be have to be strong beyond many setting suns and rising moons a man named nimrod with his charismatic personality and cunning speech convinced the children of nu'u to build a magnificent tower to study the stars this was the mark of ilioha the father of lies for the stars declared the message of the coming messiah they were not made for the exaltation of man through fortune-telling and occultic practices, Io destroyed this tower, scattering and confusing the olelo, the speech of the people, to save them from themselves. Our Polynesian genealogies also speak of our journey from Uru, called Ur, by our Chaldean brothers. Our kapuna sailed from the Persian Gulf down to the Arabian Sea and on to Irihia, India, where our people lived for many years. The long voyage had begun. 
our ancestors could not contain the desire bursting from their spirits. It was Eo calling them, saying, To the east is the mist. In the midst of the great ocean, follow the rising sun. So the course was set to the rising sun, Eo's creation of light and life. The, la- the west beyond which lay pole, the great darkness of death, was left in the canoe's wake. Above all, the stars of Eo guided them, and after every storm, his rainbow graced the skies. Follow the rising sun, their hearts echoed. It became a song of faith which led them onward. Our ancestors sailed on through many lands, Burma, Sumatra, Java, leaving some of our number behind, but Eo and the rising sun continued to call us onward. We spent some time in the islands of New Guinea and Fiji with our dark brothers before moving on to our greatest feat of all, the conquests of the great ocean. Islands were raised or in the navigator's colorful language, fished out of the sea, Tonga, Samoa, Aututaki, Ratea, Hauhine, Tuamotu, Nukuhiva, Hivao, Oa, and Tahiti were finished. They were fished from the Great Sea. The many islands of central Polynesia were discovered and inhabited. Aloha everyone, I will be reading from She Is Free, learning the truth about the lies that hold you captive, and this is a really good book I'm going to read out of chapter 7, Freedom From Shame. The lie, I will live with this shame for the rest of my life, keeping the ugly things hidden protects me and keeps me safe from public opinion and rejection. I will be reading from Isaiah 61, 1, 2, and 7. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord instead of your former shame. You will have a double portion, and instead of humiliation, your people will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, in their land, they will possess double what they had forfeited. Everlasting joy will be theirs. Truth Shame is an ugly place of disgrace and dishonor, causing us to live without the knowledge of our value and worth. It comes in various forms. The shame that lingers from the past is like the decaying remnant of death and is accomplished and accompanied by a stench of fear. It reminds you of who you used to be and rots away any hope that you'll ever get to live fully in your purpose. Maybe the shame comes from lies and rumors that have been spoken about you and believed by the multitude. The way others look at you when you walk into the room makes you suspicious that everyone knows and is talking about you, even when they are not. Shame is like, is mean like that. It could be sexual shame, as you once again look at pornography just one last time and the blanket of shame covers you as you settle under the weight of it again it could be shame from the abortion or abortions you've had and you are riddled with fear to tell anyone because you believe you deserve hell for what you've done you don't there is a love that desires to connect with you in the darkest 
grievances of your life. It's a love that can heal you and set you free. Shame gradually destroys your connection to God and in turn your connection to others. Shame is one of the biggest hindrances to true and lasting intimacy between you and God and intimacy with others. We were created to be in connection and in living community, loving community. It has never been good for us to be alone. Some of you may be thinking, well, that's fine because I don't really want to be close to anyone anyway. I don't really need people because they've always let me down and I've been fe- I've been fine on my own. But have you? Deep down, often the real reason you think this way is because if you do let people close, they may see the real you and not like what they see because you don't like what you see. Getting stuck in the mud of shame. An unfortunate familiarity with shame came into my life at the same time anger and fear did. The enemy's assignment against my parents brought a tangible instability for me as a child, causing insecurity to rise and turning me into a vacuum for affection from my father. In that season, however, he was preoccupied with his own pain, desperately needing healing, the healer of God as much as I did. The damages left behind from sexual abuse were permitted to remain, leaving a crack in the door of my life for shame to seep in, starving for affection. I experimented sexually because it provided a hit of counterfeit love and intimacy. You, Yet every time I felt absolute shame for my actions and kept them hidden, somehow I knew it was wrong. A 15 at 15, I gave the gift of my virginity away and then repeatedly had sex until I gave my life to Jesus. And 19, the sex made me feel loved, yet a vortex remains, sucking up any hope of lifelong commitment or promise of unending covenant love. Sex had become a counterfeit void of intimacy and commitment that bred a deep fear of abandonment and heavy shame. Just as sexual experimentation gave way way to sex, sex gave way to pornography, and pornography opened up another door for more shame to wrap around me. I began dabbling in drugs, though nothing heavy, which provided another hit of counterfeit elation. But you guessed it piled more shame on top of me to make matters worse i endured the trauma of walking through my pain publicly while opinions and gossip ran wild such talk is the mud that the devil washes his hands in and smears all over us reminding us with a vindictive repetitive whisper that we are damaged rejected and unworthy just like everyone is saying shame taught me to isolate myself from others even my husband. It wasn't conscious at first, but because I believed so many lies, I assumed that I would never have freedom in my life. I began to believe I was a reject who needed to spare the world of my presence. As much as each day, week, month, and year passed that I didn't deal with the root of my shame, the enemy continued to accuse and pile it on for as long as I could let him derail my destiny. 
Can I just run away from all this? It wasn't long after we planted Liberty Church in New York that I felt a need to run away from the city, which in hindsight, I now connect to the heavy cloak of shame that was spiritually draped around my shoulders. I had given it permission to remain there by leaning into every lie whispered in my ear, receiving it like somehow, some some sort of penance I felt I deserved. I remember that feeling of wanting to run and never return. The compounded, undealt with issues from my past began taking their toll on me as well as those around me. I no longer desired sex or to be touched by my husband and I didn't want any close friends. I was becoming a recluse and keeping everyone at arm's length. Intimacy was my enemy. I believed the lie that my isolation was beneficial, keeping others safe from me. The truth is, Satan is the destroyer of intimacy and love, and his destructive words are always accompanied by shame. Let's see him for who he is, jealous of our connection to God through Jesus and with his beloved creation made in his image. In that particular season, most people who heard me preach or had a conversation with me thought I was the most loving fun person in the room god has created me to bring joy to those in my life but on the inside i'd long ago adopted false mindsets about how disgusting and damaged i was i was deathly afraid that if people really got to know me they would see my broken mess as a lead pastor that didn't seem like an option i didn't even want to go to church most sundays because people were there the church we were pastoring i simply felt overwhelmed i remember saying to paul look i know god called us here i really do love these people but i am riddled with shame and fear which are hamstrings my ability to love anybody let alone myself and to healthy community and wholeness i need to get out of here don't worry i'll come back but i can't live like this something has to change in me paul Steady as he goes, Andrew lovingly replied, Anything, babe. What would help you? I already knew what I wanted to do, I said. Well, I know that in a few weeks my sister's church in Seattle is having a women's conference. No one knows me. No one knows me there, except my sister and her pastor, Wendy. It would be a safe place where I can let go and hear from God. Immediately after our conversation, we booked the tickets, and I prepared my heart to let God into the places I had locked up. I didn't know exactly what was about to happen, but I really care. I was desperate, and I knew that the way I was living was neither God's plan nor purpose for my life. When my sister picked me up, in Seattle, I noticed immediately that she carried a piece with her that began to crack the walls I had built around my heart. We hugged each other lovingly and drove to the hotel in silence. We settled in, got dressed, and went to the conference. I don't remember how many sessions and we were in, but I remember Wendy Treat was speaking on forgiveness. I had dismissed the message in my mind. 
assuming that wasn't the one I came to hear. After all, I was dealing with shame and crippling fear. Clearly, I needed a message on that topic. How wrong I was. As Wendy finished up her message and transitioned into some time to pray for people, she said, if you're dealing with unforgiveness, come up to the front and our prayer team is here to pray for you. I remained in my chair praying for all those people with unforgiveness issues because, of course, I wasn't one of them. That's when I felt the nudge, which I tried to ignore, but my pulse began to rise, adrenaline surging through my veins, and my heart nearly leaping out of my throat. God whispered, go up. I replied under my breath, no God, I'm not dealing with unforgiveness, I need to be set free from shame and fear. I will wait for the appropriate altar call, or I'm not going. I don't need people judging me thinking I'm an unforgiving woman. Go up. No, go up. Fine. But this isn't my issue. I grabbed my sister's hand and I asked if she would come with me. She smiled and put her hand on my back, walking next to me down the aisle. The moment we got to the front, she laid both hands on my back, began to pray for me, and I hit the floor hard embarrassingly hard my body felt like it had caught on fire and i was tingling like crazy everywhere i abandoned all pride and began wailing at the top of my lungs flat on my face before god and every woman on that conference apparently to be set free from shame i really needed to let go of what everyone thought of me as i lay there on my face with my sister's arm around me I felt the presence of two large hands sweeping down and lifting a heavy, dirty cloak off my shoulder. I envisioned myself naked on the floor as a cloak of shame was lifted off of me by my rescuer's mighty hand. Immediately after, I saw two big wings come and cover me, and a voice from heaven said, She who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of my wings. I will cover you. Shame has no hold on you. Remember, there is no substitute for the presence of God to which we have access at all times. Forgiveness lets us out of prison and on a journey to freedom and restorations. Forgiveness opens the door to walk into healing Jesus' love and forgiveness gives us access to our healing what he has the ability to do in us and for us as we dwell there is powerful we only need acknowledge what we already have one of my favorite scriptures came to my mind that day he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. On Him I lean on and rely, and in Him I confidently trust. For then He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Then He will cover you with His pinions, and under his wings shall you trust and find refuge his truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler psalm 91 1 through 4 i had been suddenly and powerfully delivered from shame in that moment 
swept up in a vision in which I was covered under Almighty God's wings, finding refuge in the only one in whom I can put all my trust, I felt him say to me, you can trust me. I will cover you and deliver you from your shame. I will not embarrass you, nor will I shame you or harm you. Lying there, I became innately aware of the song being sung over the woman, a song about how much God loves over and over again. His love was ringing in my ears, pulsating through my veins, covering me in my nakedness, and I felt no shame for the first time in years. In a moment in which I could have felt embarrassed for lying on the floor looking like an absolute fool, I experienced one of the safest moments of my life. Wrapped in my father's arms, protected from every accusation and plan of an attack from the enemy. I wanted to stay. The good news is I can because he never leaves me. Do not fear for you will not be put to shame. And do not feel humiliated or ashamed for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth. Isaiah 54, 4. I love that in the midst of a season when I tried to isolate myself from others, I found myself safe in the arms of my sister's love. She grew up with me, knew all my ugly, dirty secrets, and still loved me by choice. She was a safe place and still is to this day. I didn't even need to talk to her. Her presence alone helped bring me freedom. Her unconditional love helped break down barriers so God could do what only he can do, bind up my broken heart and remove all my shame.